The following audio is from Fellowship Baptist Church in Nederland, Texas. Our mission, to make and mature disciples through the gospel of Jesus Christ. For more information about Fellowship, visit fellowshiptx.org. All right, everybody. Well, welcome back to another session of our podcast here at Fellowship. This is Julian. I'm sitting here with our newly, uh, what do I say? I mean, newly installed senior pastor, lead pastor for Fellowship Baptist Church, Daniel Ward. Um, Man, what an exciting day it was yesterday. I would say nerve-wracking, exciting all at the same time. Oh, yeah. It uh, It was a culmination of, you know, several weeks of praying and and wanting, like I said, Sunday morning, wanting God's will to be done in in mm. that uh, situation, and so uh, you know, I was incredibly, uh, incredibly nervous about the outcome. You know, <laughs> uh, I'm not gonna lie, I was, uh, I was, my, my heart rate was up pretty high, waiting to uh, mm. find out the results, uh, but but also trying to trust God that regardless of what would happen, it would have been His will, and and He would have been glorified in whatever happened. Yeah. So it was an exciting moment for sure. I know I was excited. I was trying to keep it together for you. And um, so, I mean, we're just going to do like a conversation piece today. You know, it's um, you. we had to deviate from Acts, or, you mm-hmm. know, because uh, you had to preach a sermon in view of a call, which I thought right. was great. And I thought uh, was perfectly fit for your situation. Like mm-hmm. you said, you're not a guy coming in that nobody knows and you know you are fellowship and so i very much enjoyed that that sermon but can you kind of um give us a little more detail as to how god worked on your heart to put in for the job or to be the lead pastor now at fellowship yeah so um you know i got into that a little bit on sunday but i um you know i I felt this tug away from student ministry and towards i knew eventually this was where I was headed towards a mm-hmm. uh, senior pastor role. And uh, even when I was at Calvary working with adults and uh, God starts to, he really starts to kind of change your heart and mm-hmm. what you, what you have a vision for. You know, when I was younger, I had this clear vision for what God wanted for student ministry. And it was evident uh, what he wanted. And, uh, and he was constantly breathing that, that, you know, that fresh of breath air of, of this is where you're supposed to be. Mm. Uh, but then God starts to kind of stir your heart a little bit and, and to let, just to let you know a little bit, like don't get settled here. There's, yeah. there's something else that I have for you. And I didn't really know what that looked like. Um, and so then, you know, the door, door opened up for me to come back here and it was evident and clear to me that God wanted me to come back to fellowship back in 2017. Yeah. And, uh, I, I didn't have any, any doubt about that. Uh, and so we, uh, we made that decision to come back, and uh, and then, you know, even as we were doing student ministry here, there was this constant restlessness in my heart, knowing that that student ministry wasn't going to be um, the forever thing. I joke about the fact that you know I'm getting kind of old toward when you have to really like start looking up definitions for things <laughs> that students yeah. are saying. It's getting to be about time to maybe walk away a little bit. <laughs> I'm having to Google everything they say to figure out what it means. <laughs> But, uh, but, you know, God started really, especially over the past six months that we've been mm-hmm. kind of, you know, leading and, and doing uh, preaching every the week, God's really stirred my heart uh, in just confirming that call. 
Yeah. And so when the opportunity arised, it just felt like that that's, this is what God had planned all along mm. that, you know, him bringing me back here in 2017 was for this purpose that he yeah. knew that this was going to be, uh, this was going to be a time and a place when, when, uh, you know, fellowship would need a pastor and, and that he was molding me and, and preparing me for that. And so, yeah. you know, there's so many things over the past few years that, you know, it's evident that God's been working that in inside of me through, you know, things that I was able to have experience doing and learning at Calvary with working with adults um, yeah. and, and and seeing, you know, how discipleship is done and some of these things um, that, that really helped me grow uh, as a pastor and a mature, um, you know, those things were, it's evident those things were preparing me for this moment. Mm. Well, I know we were all excited and um, I know like over the last six months, you know, you and I have done a lot of tag team and a lot of teamwork. And mm-hmm. um, I think, too, you know, our congregation saw the direction that we were heading towards while we were while it was you and I. Mm-hmm. And there's a safety in that. Right. That that, you know, you bring somebody else in from the outside and who knows what their mindset is, what their philosophy of ministry is, you know, and there's a real danger in that sometimes right. and churches can get stuck in that rut. And so. To me, it just made sense, you yeah. know, that uh, that if if people were on board with what we were preaching already, that we were just going to go that route. Right. Yeah. And everything that we've been doing for the uh, past six months is what will continue to yeah. take place. Obviously, I uh, I was, you know, reading online what other people have done for sermons when they're coming to preach in view of a call. Mm-hmm. Just trying to see. Yeah, you know, I've never heard a pastor preach in view of a call. Really? My entire life. <laughs> wow. I, I was here at Fellowship, and for, for the 40 years or whatever that Brother Hayes was here, I was here, and and so I never heard anybody do that. And then whenever I was at Calvary, obviously Nathan was there, and so there was never a need for a search for a pastor. So I've never heard anybody preach that way. Huh. And uh, and so I was like, man, i got to kind of look this up and figure out. And, but then, like I said, there was such unique circumstances that um, there wasn't really anything out there that really helped me through. But what I did hear a lot of people say was, you know, don't go in there and preach your best sermon. Because, <laughs> yeah, because sugar you're gonna, stick sermon. Yeah, you're yeah. gonna you're gonna make them feel like you know they're gonna be disappointed weeks after that. And so, <laughs> you know, we had we, you guys had that benefit of knowing that that uh, that that wasn't the case. You've heard me preach for six months. Yeah. So, so uh, let's talk a little bit about your sermon, uh, which I thought was like I said, it was perfect, uh, fitting into kind of like w- what our church is about or what it should be about, and and how you know when you have great aim that uh that 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 we should be aiming at something right mm-hmm. and uh what 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 was your thought process coming into that like what made you think of the fact that you know were we not aiming at something or you know do you see churches that aren't doing that i mean what was your thought process putting that together well um you know i've been doing ministry for a really long time and even before i was in full-time ministry i obviously grew up in church and uh just over the past few years, I've kind of had this this uh, stirring in my heart that it just feels kind of like church isn't what we read about in the in the book of Acts or mm. what we read about in Scripture. It seems like churches in uh, in America today have really gotten focused on on the programs and the services, and it just becomes so monotonous and routine yeah. um, that it just doesn't feel. To me, it, it it didn't feel like the power of God was in what we were doing. Yeah, and uh, and I, I felt that for a long time. I couldn't really, you know, articulate what it was that we were missing. 
but I knew we were missing something. Mm. And uh, over the past couple of years, I mean, you and I have talked, yeah. you know, at ends, I mean, just constantly talking about uh, this kind of stuff because, you know, you've voiced that you've had the same concerns. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, you know, for me, it was just wanting to bring it back to a biblical model of, of what, um, what I see in the, in the Bible and, and, you know, there's all kinds of books out there about different things about church ministry and there's that simple church book and mm-hmm. all this stuff, which I do think simplicity is good. Obviously that's what we stuck with Sunday. Sure. Uh, but I think it's even bigger than that, that it's, it's not just simplicity for simplicity's sake. It's, yeah. it's simplicity because that's what we have in scripture and we do what the Bible says. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. Just do it. Just do what God says. And if we're aiming ourselves at that, then, you know, we can trust and know that God's going to bless that and yeah. that he'll be glorified and, and that there'll be fruit in that. And so for me, um, you know, as uh, over the past couple of years through just really thinking about it and praying about it and looking and trying to figure out what are we missing? And, you know, we've gone to a couple of conferences and seen some things and heard some guys talk and just created that stirring in me that, that our focus has to be what we talked about Sunday, love God, love others, make disciples. It has to be that yeah. or else it's not the biblical model. We're not, we're not really accomplishing what we've been called to accomplish. Yeah. Yeah, that, you know, you were talking about perfect aim, and it's, and then you started talking about golf, and mm-hmm. you were, you were kind of uh, building me up a little bit there as a golfer. I'm not as good as Daniel made me out to be. Let me just you are caveat really good. that you are really good. <laughs> but uh, you shoot in the 70s, that's pretty good. <laughs> but um, but you know, the, sticking to the golf thing because I'm kind of addicted to golf. Like if you if you don't hit the mark. It's gonna make for a bad day. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's every day for me that I go golfing. And so you know, I started thinking about it in those terms, like you know, you, you get off the tee box, you try to hit the green, and then you know when you don't, and it, you know, then that brings into play bogey, double bogey, triple bogey, and eventually you get to the hole, but it's not very effective. Right. And so I guess I can see your point. I mean, obviously, because we we pretty much have the same mindset that. You know, if a church is going to focus on other things and and not hit the mark, you know, eventually, sure, somebody might get saved, right? Right. Uh, somebody m- might come to know Jesus, and somebody, you know, and and there could be this kind of slow um, movement towards, you know, the miraculous. Right. But but you're not being very effective. Right. Right. And 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 I can see churches, and like you said, we've talked about it for a couple of years. And I can see churches, you know, putting on the great music program and putting on the light show and fog and all this other stuff, and being a seeker sensitive church and to where everybody wants to go to this church, but not being very effective for the gospel. Right. That people's lives aren't getting changed, and 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 people aren't being made to be mature disciples, and. Um, and is that what it is? Is that what hitting the mark is, right? Is making disciples so that way other people can make disciples? Yeah, you know, you, use your, you brought it back to that golf illustration. I mean, really, when I go play golf, I mean, you've played with me <laughs> one time, I think, and it was pretty rough. And, you know, for me, it, it really is like I don't know how to aim. I don't know how to get my body to, to do mm. what it needs to do. I'm just not athletic that way. And so uh, for me, it's very, in, like, just annoying to go because I'll, I'll – hit it and get it after several hits finally get it close to the green and then (laughs) and then i'm over the green to the other side and then i'm hitting it to the other side it's like it takes me forever to ever get the ball in the hole and so it's just this endless just miserable experience of trying (laughs) to get the ball into the hole Uh, and like you said eventually 
you get it there. Yeah. But but it's it's not effective. It's mm. not you're not accomplishing what you're there to accomplish, which you know you want to score a par, right? I mean that's yeah. that's the goal or, or better. All right. Um. And, and so you know I'm nowhere near that. Sometimes <laughs> I'm just like, give me the max and let's walk on walk on to the next hole, right? Like because it's it's is miserable. Yeah. Uh. And so I think sometimes that's what we do as churches. We're we're not aiming ourselves at the mark like we're supposed to, and mm-hmm. so and so yeah. Eventually, you're right. At, you know, a couple of times a year we may see someone come to know Christ. We may be, and we can even pad those numbers and make it seem awesome. Have baptisms every mm-hmm. you know and. And, and and even have a huge attendance. Yeah. And, and you know, we could do stuff to get people in the seats. There's right. there's methods out there, marketing methods and all kinds of things that you can do to get people in the seats. And there are churches all over that are successful with that. You hire a good PR guy and a good graphic guy mm-hmm. and you could build a church based off that, but what you've done is you've built a church of just people that don't know Jesus. Yeah. Right? That they mm. they've come and they have they they've come for what you've sold them, which is not the real genuine gospel. Yeah. And so what's the point? Mm-hmm. What have we really accomplished? And so for me, it makes way more sense to do what God has told us to do. Yeah. To do it his way, because in his way, there is effectiveness, because he's going to bless it. His power is in that. Yeah. And so if we focus ourselves and aim ourselves at what he said to do, which is love him, love others, and make disciples, yeah. then there's effectiveness in that. We're doing it the right way. We're doing it his way. And then the results are left up to him. He's going to bless that. He's going to use that. Sure. Just like in Acts 2. You know, the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. That's what I want to see. Yeah. I don't want to get wrapped up in just having a you know a well attended church. There's mm-hmm. there's no win in that. I've seen I've been in, in ministry long enough and been in the area long enough to see big churches come and go. Yeah, over and over and over again. There's this big church that'll pop up and everybody's it's the cool hip church everybody goes to. They're doing the trendy stuff. Everybody goes there and then it fizzles out and they yeah they're not there anymore. Right, and, and I don't want to be that. I'd rather go with the steady biblical model of, of making disciples and building God's kingdom because I want to one day be before God and know that I did it his way and that it was the most effective way that he laid out for us in Scripture. Yeah, you know, one of the things I've been thinking about is um, we, we have changed a little bit in the last six months to yeah. more running this model. And I was talking to one of our members the other day, and they were they were telling me that their wife was – uh, communicating with another lady in our church and they really, them two never kind of hung out or anything like that. But I've been noticing this growth to where, um, you know, there's always this idea like, man, the pastor doesn't come to talk to me or I'm not as close, but and not that that's not our job. Obviously right. we try to do that, but, but members who are growing in their discipleship should be growing with others mm. and creating other circles. Right. Right. And then and then adding people to those circles. And and that's what's going to give us the retainment that we want. We ran the numbers a while back and like we were adding, what was it, 40 members a year and our numbers never changed. Right. Right. For the last four or five years. And it's like, how does that work? You know, that we've got all these new members, but there's no there's no retention. There's no retention. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, just some of the things I've been seeing and like you're right, it's so simple. Yeah. And some of the books we're reading, it says you just do what Jesus did and model, model, show you the model. And obviously it worked because Jesus did it. And so why wouldn't we just follow that model? Right. And uh, and I agree with you that, that that would be hitting the mark. And I think we're already seeing evidence of that. We're yeah. seeing fruit of of aiming the right way, and it's going to bring growth. Yeah, if you uh, – if you, I mean, you know, the books that we're reading and, and the things that, that we really – 
kind of given ourselves to the methods that we've really been praying about and, and looking at in Scripture, it seems like Jesus' method was always multiplication. Mm-hmm. You know, start small and then train those people to go out and then do the same, and then those people go out and do the same. And, and that's a multiplication model that's going to reap huge dividends over time. Right. Uh, it seems like a lot of churches have kind of flipped that, and, and it's more like, you know, bring your friends to church and let the preacher preach a gospel message so they get saved. That's a growth by addition. That's not yeah. growth by multiplication. Mm. So if you take ownership for someone else's spiritual development, then they take ownership for someone's spiritual. It's a multiplication model that's eventually yeah. going to reap huge benefits. And so I, I think that's, you know, Jesus saw that. He understood that. And, right. and how we've missed that over the years, yeah. I, I don't know. And I think, too, like, we're not knocking, like, the exciting worship filled, you know, services like we're, we're going to have that yeah. obviously because it's a celebration for us to come and to, yeah. you know, to worship God and to celebrate God. And we're going to do it in a relevant way. But at the same time, if that's our focus, then there's no room for maturity. Right. But, 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 you know, if we're not always the hippest church, it's not going to matter. Right. In other words. Right? right. Right. Obviously we'll, we'll, we want to be relevant. We want to be, uh, a church that's exciting, and and if you're doing the, the thing that is exciting, right? oh yeah. If, if if the power of God is moving through your congregation mm-hmm. and using your people to reach their friends and the people that they work with and their family members, man, there's nothing more exciting than that. Absolutely, that's way more exciting than people just getting saved because I got up and preached. It's <laughs> way more exciting to me that if if you know Joe church member goes and reaches their coworker for yeah, Christ. Man, absolutely. That's there's way more victory in that than just me getting up and mm-hmm. and preaching and hoping that, you know, so and so that I invited gets saved. And that's a more biblical model. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh you're you're preaching your sermon Sunday pretty much just had two levels. Uh, it was three levels really, yeah. but two main levels. Uh great commandment, great commission. Mm-hmm. Um and in the great commandment was love God and love others. Right. And uh, do you think like, well, I mean, there's a lot of people out there who want to say they have the love God part down, mm-hmm. right? Uh, they come to church, you know, they, they love God. They, they say they love God. But can you truly, genuinely love God and not have a love for others? Like, like we see so much division in our world, you know, black, white. We see uh, Democrat, Republican whatever, you know, Coke, Pepsi, I mean, take your pick. And, and how does that work out? You know, for a Christian, you know, can you genuinely love God and not have love for others? Well, short answer to that is, uh, no, (laughs) no, because, you know, a love, a genuine love for God is going to produce a genuine love for other people. Hmm. Um, you know, we talked about Sunday. If you really love God, then you're gonna you're gonna show that through obedience. The, right. the fruit of that will be obedience. Uh, and, and God says, "Love others." Yeah. And so, and he even said, you know, they're gonna know that you're my disciples. They're gonna know that you are a follower of mine by how you love. Mm. And so, um, I think it's pivotal. That, that I, that's the mark of the Christian. That's right. that's the identifying mark of the Christian. Yeah. It's not our morality because. You know, anybody can look moral. Yeah. Right? I mean, anybody can get up. I mean, here's a perfect example. Ellen DeGeneres. If you watch her TV show, she seems like the kindest, nicest person in the world. Right? The like most she's, moral. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she loves people, and her show's all about loving others. 
Now we're coming to find out that she actually doesn't. She's actually <laughs> not a very pleasant person to be around, right? All yeah. her employees say that she's abusive. And, uh, and, and so, you know, that's, that's just evidence that, that, you know, if, if you, you can pretend to be moral, anybody can be moral. Mm. Um, but you can't, you, you have to, the, the identifying mark of the believer is, is going to be love. You're going to yeah. love others. You're going to have that uh, exuding from you because the love of God is inside of you. Right. Right. It, it, scripture says that, that the only way that we're even able to love is because God loved us first. Right. Yeah. And, and so we respond back to him with love because he loved us first. And we respond to others in love because the love of God literally dwells within us. Yeah. And so it empowers us to love other people and leads us to love other people. And so, um, you know, again, the, sh- the, sh- the answer to that question is absolutely resounding. No, you can't, you can't love God and say, you know, I love, I love God, but I just don't know about loving these other people. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just not a biblical response. No, you, if you, if you love God, you will love other people. Right. It's, it's not, it's, it's just the fruit of, I mean, it's the fruit of spirit. Yeah. Right. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So if you love God, the fruit of that will be a love for other people. Yeah, and, you know, when Jesus is asked that question uh, by that Pharisee, he answers, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and your mind, and love others as yourself. And then he says, like, all the law and the commandments, or all the law and the prophets hinge on these two things. You know, we've got, in my opinion, and you, you can either agree or disagree with me on here, like, so in my opinion, you've got a lot of Pharisaical-type people who are in church today, right? They say like, oh, I follow the commandments and, you know, I do what I think is right in God's sight. And, and you know, and then God is like, yeah, that's important, obviously, because obedience is important to God. Right. But if that's all you're doing and you're not loving others, then you've missed the point. Right. First Corinthians 13, right? Yeah. It's not, it's not, it's not really not a wedding passage. No, it's not <laughs> a wedding passage. It's that's, that's exactly what he's saying. And then I just looked up first John four twenty. It says, if anyone says, I love God and yet hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. Yeah. <laughs> there it is, black and white, right? <laughs> he says, yeah. for the person who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Mm. So John would say, no, you can't You can't yeah. love God. You, you say you love God, but you hate others. No, you, you don't really love God. Yeah, and love love looks like having tolerance, even though I don't like looking at it that way. But understanding that this person who I disagree with, even morally, I have to love them enough to bring them to Christ. Right. Right. If I have a friend who is the most immoral person in the world, he cheats on his wife and everything else, but I'm trying to win him to the Lord, I'm not going to not hang around him because of his moral failures. Right. right. right? I'm not going to try to fix him first and say, hey, man, why don't you do this Bible study with me? Why don't you, you know, uh, fix your life so that way we can start hanging out together? Right. You know, he's lost. Right. I have to love him in his lost position first. Right. For him to then be able to see that that's the way God communicates. Yeah, and it's all about how we view other people too. If we if we view people through the lens of, uh, you know, especially lost people, you you look at lost people and recognize that that they're lost, mm-hmm. they're blind, they're spiritually dead. I mean, Scripture gives us all kinds of analogies. Yeah, basically, they don't know what they're doing. Jesus said, "Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do." Yeah, right. People don't. People who are who are dead to their to, to their sin and don't really recognize, um, you know, the magnitude of, of what they're doing. They don't, they're not 
awake enough spiritually to even know that what they're doing is wrong. And so when we look at people through that eyes, then it's much easier for us to have mercy when people wrong us, right? Yeah. We don't take it so personally, you know, so if someone offends us or we see someone living outside of the, the, the confounds of what we think is right and wrong, right? Then, then it's much easier for us to, to offer mercy and love to them and grace in that moment and, and know, you know what, they're just, they're just acting lost because they're lost. Yeah. And so it's so much easier for me to give them mercy and, and love them through that uh, because I recognize, you know, they don't have Christ yet. Mm-hmm. And, and so I can't really hold them accountable for the things I would hold a, a, a brother or sister in Christ and, and yeah. accountable. So if the premise is true, you, you can't uh, genuinely love God without loving others. Correct. Can you genuinely love others and not make disciples? No. Again, the answer would be no. So um, my response to that would be, uh, you know, you showed a video last week of, what was it, Penn and Teller? Which a couple one? weeks ago, yeah. I don't remember which uh, one. It was Penn, Teller, Penn, I don't know. I don't remember which one, one it was. One of them. And, and it's Penn a, Gillette was his yeah, name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a, uh, it's a very popular video. I've, you know, it's a, it's a video that I've seen uh, before, and it's a very powerful video because even a lost person recognizes that you must really hate somebody for you not to share the gospel. Hmm. And so... I think that there's two reasons why a a professing Christian would not make disciples, would not evangelize. One, you don't really believe this, hmm. right? Expound on that a little bit. You, you you don't really believe that that people are separated eternally from God hmm. because of their sin, and that the only remedy to that is faith in Jesus, which brings reconciliation back to their creator eternal reconciliation if if you really believe that that the sin separates people from god and that god is the only thing that brings life mm. eternal life eternal security just like penn said you must really hate them if you believe that and you don't tell people right because of the outcome they're gonna end up yeah in hell, they're right? gonna yeah. yeah they're gonna they're gonna end up forever separated from god and so either you don't really believe it you, you think that you do, but you don't really believe it. You're not giving yourself to it, right? You don't you don't have genuine faith in it, and you haven't really sold yourself to it. Or two, you don't love that person, which mm. again I think goes back to the fact that you don't really believe it. Yeah. So so you know, for me, uh, you no, you can't love someone if you really believe that they're going to die and go to hell apart from Christ. Um, you're gonna you're gonna profess Christ to them. Yeah. Yeah, it reminds me. Have you ever heard of a guy named Charles Blondin? No. Uh, <laughs> he, not many people have. He was a uh, tightrope walker in the early 1900s. I've heard this story. Yeah. And uh, uh, so he he puts this tightrope across Niagara Falls, and uh, he walks across it a couple of times, and people are gathering. There's a lot of crowd there, and and he tells the crowd. It's a true story. He tells the crowd like, "Hey, how many of you think I can?" push this wheelbarrow across, you know, this tightrope. He's got no harness or anything like that. And they're like, yeah, you can do it, you know. And so he, he pushes the wheelbarrow across and comes back, and he's doing stuff like that. And the people are, like, cheering him on, like, man, this is awesome. And the and then he says, like, how many of you think I could put a person in this wheelbarrow and walk across? And they're like, you could do it. And he's like, all right, who's going to be my first volunteer? Crickets. <laughs> Crickets, yeah. <laughs> Nobody volunteered. Yeah, of course. And so – you know, there's a there's a difference in a belief in what would be like a fan mode, 
Mm-hmm. Oh, I believe God can do all things. Oh, mm-hmm. I believe God is mighty. Oh, I believe God can even fix my troubles. Yeah. But then to sit in that wheelbarrow and trust him to be able to do it. Right. Totally different. And to walking. take that action is totally different. And so, you know, we've said it before, like love is action. Yeah. Right. Lo- yeah. Love is not love is not anything else but action. Right. If I love my wife, then it leads me to doing things that cause right the right. action of the reaction of loving her. Yeah, I think you're you're to quote you, love is not intent. Yes, love is not intent. Yeah, uh, I can intend to love. I can intend and say, oh yeah, yeah, you know, but but if there's no action behind it, then yeah, you can't. There's no love. And so um, that that would be the great commission, right? Yeah, that if you love God, which causes you to love others genuinely, then that depth of understanding like you said they're going to end up in hell i have to do something about it will lead to making disciples yeah i mean people use this illustration and it's almost gotten cliche but you know if you looked out on the beach and saw some kid drowning yeah what kind of person would you be be like oh good luck brother yeah (laughs) walk away right (laughs) sorry you're a democrat i'm joking (laughs) (laughs) no so i'm joking uh, but, but yeah, you'd be a, a heartless person just to walk away. Yeah. And, and, and I think that we don't really, I think it's because we don't really grasp the urgency of the gospel. You know, we would grasp the urgency of that situation. If you're at the right. beach and you look out and some kids drowning, you're going to grasp the urgency of that situation. You're going to run out there and try to save them. Mm-hmm. You're going to call someone to help if you can't personally get, I mean, you're going to do something. Yeah. Right. It's going to lead you to some kind of action. Right. And, and I think the problem is, is that we don't sense the urgency of the gospel, that people are dying and going to hell every single day apart mm. from Christ. And, and, if, and if we don't really grasp that reality and, and put some action to you know, our said beliefs, then, man, what are we doing? Yeah. What are we doing? Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to be a church, I foresee, and like you said Sunday, of genuine followers and not fans yeah of the gospel yeah what's the point of being a fan i yeah. mean jesus had fans you look in scripture yeah. and and then when the going got tough or when he really you know challenged them a little bit they they couldn't stand it and they walked away right. like like the rich young ruler I mean, yeah. look at him he comes to jesus and he he wants what jesus has to offer but he's not willing to sacrifice mm. and so he walks away sad yeah that's good stuff and uh, i can't wait to see uh, what the future holds uh, with you as lead pastor and uh, just kind of aiming in the right direction and uh, loving God, loving others and making disciples. And we're already seeing fruit of it. And so I can, I, I can, I can see it. Yeah. I can see where we're going to be and I'm excited. And uh, these podcasts might look a little different uh, from here on out, but uh, we're still going to try to bring you great content and yeah. uh, uh, recap on sermons and, um, other things that we have planned coming. And um, I wanted to say something, you know, a lot of times we sound like we hit it pretty hard. You know, like like I've I've heard several people now who listen to our podcast say like, man, I feel like I don't do enough. Like yeah. you are, you know, and and you know what? We appreciate that. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Yeah. If, <laughs> you, if you feel pain, then that means you're alive. That's, right? a, that's exactly yeah, if, right. If you feel the pain of Jesus chiseling away at your heart. Yeah. That means you're alive, and, and there is a difference between guilt and conviction. Sure, uh, but but I do think that you know if the Holy Spirit is convicting you, I mean He's convicting us, right? That's like exactly as right. As we as we talk and we study and we look into Scripture, uh, there's conviction in our hearts uh, where we know that, that that there's areas of growth for us too. Yeah. And, and you know we we have to bring it to a level of, of black and white and, and try to present it a way of, of here's here's the truth. Yeah. And and, um, and sometimes that can come across as 
hypocritical or, or yeah. just over the top or, or harsh or yeah. whatever. Uh, but that is obviously not the intent. The intent yeah. is uh, is that God would use uh, this to bear fruit in your life and, and the edification of your you know spiritual growth. That's that's what we want. Yeah, we love you guys and uh, we want to see you grow. We want to grow right alongside with you. And so don't don't be disheartened. Um, you know, uh, the, everybody needs baby steps. Yeah. And so do something. Yeah, and, take and the next step. Take the next step. We're not trying to tell you that you need to bring in 100 disciples this year, but but take the next step into getting in the right direction. Yeah, and, and if you need some help processing what your next step is, man, we are here. Absolutely. That's what we're here for. Yep. All right, guys. Well, that's all we have for you today, and uh, we will see you on Sunday. Thank you so much for listening today, and we always welcome you to join us at Fellowship Baptist Church in Nederland, Texas, where we gather, grow, give, and go.